This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Welcome to episode 120, it's Dr. Jimmy. Who is ready to restock their hay supply? It is the time of year where hay producers are getting into their fields and horse owners are getting really excited about the new hay crops and getting that hay in their barn restocked. So the question often comes up, you know, is which cutting of hay is best? Should I be buying first, second, third, or even fourth cutting hay for my horses? People also generally want to know which cutting they should avoid. So this episode is going to dig into those details, and I think many people may be surprised by what they are about to hear. But before we do that, this is your very friendly reminder to please go share this podcast with your friends, whether it's a recommendation for the podcast just in general, or if maybe there is a certain episode that really impacted you and your horse, I would love to hear about it. So you can do this by liking and sharing the posts on my social media channels, which are on both Facebook and Instagram. You can find me by searching Dr. Jimmy Equine Nutritionist, or you can just type in my handle, which is at Dr. Jimmy, and Jimmy is spelled J-Y-M-E. All right, this episode was suggested by a hay producer who believed that there was marked information, uh, misinformation, on which cut of hay is best for horses. And this hay producer felt that horse owners seem to have this very strong passion behind purchasing a quote certain cutting and felt that there seemed to be kind of just like this high leveling of anxiety that occurs when someone is maybe not able to purchase their desired cutting of hay. Here's the thing. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like the facts around this topic have been extremely misconstrued among horse owners. So here it is, a dedicated episode to debunking the myth that hay cutting is the only indicator of quality. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with what I'm even talking about at all, um, I'm going to just level set and kind of get us all on the same page. So forages like grass or alfalfa, um, they obviously don't grow year round um, ev- everywhere in the world, right? There's there's certain seasons in which they grow and then certain seasons in which these plants go dormant or meaning they don't grow. Um, so think of wintertime, right? Plants are not growing in the wintertime. They're in a dormant phase. So hay producers cut their hay during the growing season and generally speaking you know the the longer the growing season the more cuttings they can harvest Um, that's assuming that you know water supply or rainfall is on their side so first cutting hay refers to the first time that a hay producer can get into a field and get that hay laid down 
So in, in colder, like more, if you're in the, so I'm in the United States, so I'm sorry, you're gonna have to translate this if you're in a different hemisphere, but the colder, more Northern climates, um, that first cutting hay is gonna happen later in the year. Whereas if you're in warmer, more Southern climates, that first cutting can happen earlier in the year. Um, and when I say the year, I'm talking calendar year, right? So this is simply due to the number of growing days for each region and how many, you know, how soon the temperature, the soil temperature warms up in a given area. Okay. Now, once the first cutting hay is off of the field, we wait and we let that forage grow. And when the time is right, the hay producer will go in and cut that same field, that same location a second time, hence the name second cutting. Okay. If you are in a warm region where more cuttings are possible, that same pattern is gonna happen for the third cutting and then maybe even a fourth cutting. So to put it simply, the cutting number is really just referring to the order in which the hay was cut and baled relative to the other cuttings that were harvested from that same field in the same calendar year, okay? so the first hay baled on a field for the year is called first cutting hay. The next time that that same field is cut and baled within that year, they call that second cutting and so on. And then when winter comes, that stops your count, right? We hunker down for the winter, we wait until the next growing season, and then we restart our count again at number one. Okay. That said, if, if you have ever had someone tell you that they have something like 12th cutting hay or something like that, right? That they don't have a clue what they're talking about because it's not, that's not even possible. So that's, that's kind of how the, the numbers um, work in terms of hay cuttings. Now I hear it all the time. People will try to tell me about the quality. They'll try to describe the quality of their hay by telling me what cutting it is. The problem is the cutting tells me nothing about the quality of the hay, right? The only thing that the cutting number tells me is what order it was cut and removed from the field. All right. So I'm going to say this one louder for those in the back. <laughs> you cannot gauge the nutritional quality of hay by the cutting number. All right. Now there can certainly be some general tendencies um, that are somewhat consistent with the number of cut with the cutting number, but there are certainly no hard and fast rules. Okay. I know you're sitting there thinking, well, what am I supposed to look for then if the cutting number is so unimportant? Well, the gold standard is of course, look at how the hay tested. At some point, we as horse owners have to start asking for hay analysis on what we're buying, right? It is still crazy to me that as a general population of horse owners, we can be buying 6% protein grass hay or 13% protein grass hay and not have a single clue about it, right? But then we wonder why our horses are not keeping weight or why all of a sudden they blow up like blimps, right? Now, I'm not saying that that protein content specifically is the only factor. I'm just using that as kind of a way to paint my story. Um, but generally speaking, you know, a lower protein hay um, is most often going to have very high levels of what we call non-digestible or non-usable fibers, and then also generally have lower calories. Okay, so. Um, this, this means a lot will be coming out the back end of your horse, but not a lot will be used within the body. And your horse is 
<clears throat> excuse me, your horse is likely to lose top line and start looking poor if they're on, you know, that high fiber, low calorie, low protein hay. Then on the flip side, you know, if, if a grass hay is testing, say 13 or even 14% protein, that's probably pretty highly digestible hay. Um, especially if it's a cool season grass, it's probably going to have a pretty high sugar content and it's probably going to pack a lot of extra calories, which if you have really easy keepers that can cause those horses to become grossly overweight. Now it's not funny, but all of this happens under people's noses every day. <laughs> and the first thing they do is hop on social media and ask for recommendations from strangers on what feed or what supplement they should switch to, to cure all of these problems, right? Like I have had to stop reading those because every time I just, all I want to do is ask, what is your hay testing? Because without that single piece of information, everything else we do nutritionally is really just a drop in the bucket, okay? So don't be afraid to ask your hay supplier for an analysis before you pick up the hay, right? An analysis is relatively cheap. And if your hay producer is doing their job well, they should have, I mean, they should have a hay analysis available or at, at the very least be willing to get one for you. Um, or at the very, very least, ask them if you can send a sample off yourself before you commit to, you know, a really large purchase, okay? Uh, one other thing don't just take their word for it. All right. I've had that happen plenty of times where, you know, someone, um, I'll go to buy hay and they'll say, oh yeah, I tested this hay and it tested, you know, 13% protein or whatever. But then I send the hay off myself to verify, right. And it actually tests closer to seven or 8%. Now I'm not saying that I won't feed a seven or 8% hay, but if that's what I've got, I need to know that so that I can adjust the rest of my horse's diet accordingly, right? If I have a maintenance horse that's not really getting ridden, then seven or 8% hay along with a vitamin and mineral balancer is perfectly fine. But if I'm feeding, you know, say a growing baby or pregnant mare, even the performance horses, they're going to need some extra calories. They're going to need some extra protein and amino acids along with the vitamin and mineral needs um, in order to fill the gaps on what the hay is missing. Bottom line, do the hay test. <laughs> my favorite lab, if you need a lab, my favorite one is Equa Analytical and you can mail your samples to them. They will report back to you in horse numbers, not cattle or dairy numbers, right? right. Like we need to be able to read the values for energy in terms of calories for a horse, right? Not net energy for a lactating dairy cow. So where you send your samples and how those numbers are reported back um, is important for you to be able to truly evaluate that hay um, in terms of a more comprehensive approach, if you're looking at more than just that crude protein value, right? So Equa Analytical can give you calorie numbers, you know, calculated out in horse terms. Um, they can also do carb packs so you can figure out, you know, starch and sugar levels. If you want to figure out what the NSC content would be of the hay, um, there's just, a, it's more finely tuned, let's say, for the needs um, of equine nutrition. So that's why I like them. Okay. 
I will get off of my soapbox now about hay testing, but just understand that if you are having weight problems with your horse, the first step is getting serious about understanding, you know, what your hay is really providing. And and I, I'm talking about that on both ends, right? Your hay can be providing too much or it can be providing not enough. And it's all relative to your horse's needs. Okay, so aside from hay testing, the next best way to evaluate hay is honestly just have a a frank conversation with the person who harvested the hay, if that is at all possible. They are the only ones that will know if, you know, they were able to get into the field at the quote right time to harvest. Um, They're going to be the only ones that know if the hay was able to cure perfectly without getting rained on. Um, They're the only ones that are going to know if the hay was cut, you know, early in the morning or late in the evening. And, And all of those things are going to affect the quality of hay. Those are also going to vary based on regions. Okay, so if you are harvesting hay in arid regions, dry climates, okay, the time that you cut the hay is going to be a lot different than people who are harvesting hay in really humid, hot environments, okay? So there's not just one right answer. We can't blink its statement any of this, right? You need to have a conversation with the hay producer. Now, I am telling you, as someone who grew up on a ranch and was spending summers on a single blade sickle bar mower and running the wind rower years before it was legal for me to actually have a driver's license, like I understand the art of putting up good quality hay. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't understand it then, of course. Like when you're 11 years old and your dad says uh, the field has to be cut right now or, you know, everyone's rushing around because we have to get things bailed before rain hits, right? At that age, you have no idea why the timing is so critical on all of these things. But now as an equine nutritionist who looks at hay and forage analysis every day, I get it right? A few hours difference, I mean, a few hours really can make a difference on the quality of that hay, right? The humidity level, the time of day, the height in which the grass was cut, all of this impacts the quality of that final bale of hay. In fact, I would argue that the art of timing your harvest is often way more important to the quality of the hay than which cutting it is. Okay. Um, let me give an example of that. So like I would take an early second cutting over a late third cutting almost any day if I'm trying to hedge my bets on, you know, deciding which one has the better nutritional value. Okay. Again, hay testing is the only way to confirm that. But if I had to place money on it and I had to bet on it, I would take that early second cutting over the late third cutting. Why would that be? Surely someone is asking this. So the reason is that the stage of maturity is going to have the biggest impact on what kind of nutrition is in that hay. Okay. So let's say I have the option to buy some second cutting hay or some third cutting hay, right? Most people would just say, oh, buy the third cutting hay. It'll be better, right? Blanket statement. Not always true. Okay. What if the second cutting was harvested at 19 days of growth and the third cutting was harvested at 40 days of growth. Okay. The, so just as a reminder, the longer that grass grows, the more mature and the more rank it gets, the stiffer the stems, 
the less nutrition, the less digestible it is. Okay. So if that's the case, I'm going to take that second cutting all day long. If I have that knowledge of those two options, because that second cutting was so much more immature, it was so much younger when it was harvested, meaning it's going to be finer stems, more palatable, uh, more pliable within my own hands, right? It's going to have more calories, higher nutritional value, you know, more protein, um, you know, all, all of those things. So again, if I'm, if I'm trying to place my bets on where the higher quality nutrition is, I just, I have to have more information than just, was it first, second, third, fourth cutting? So that means, <laughs> again, it's just, it's really important to be able to talk directly to that hay producer, right? They might be able to tell you that their third cutting hay got rained on and they had to, you know, they had to let it lay in the field longer to cure. Um, and that can impact quality. They might tell you that, you know, rainstorm after rainstorm kept them from getting into the field on their second cutting hay. So maybe that hay was cut at a much later stage than they really would have liked, right? There's just, there's all kinds of things that can impact the quality of that hay that go beyond just the number of cutting. So I love to be able to talk directly to the people who are putting up my hay. And I understand that that's not always possible. And so if it's not possible, then the the best option you have is just get the hay tested, right? If you're buying from the feed store or you're buying from a hay broker, um, you know, test that hay. That's, that's, that is the only way to truly, truly, truly know what kind of quality you're getting is to have it tested. Oh, and if anyone ever says something along the lines of, you know, this load of hay is exactly the same because it came from the same field as last year. Well, <laughs> to put it kindly, um, that's a very major red flag for me. Um, one that probably suggests that they don't have a clue what they're talking about, right? No hay is ever the same, regardless of whether it came from the same field or even the same cutting, right? The only way to know if it is, quote, the same is to test your hay. So I would love to get to the point with horse nutrition where horse owners bought hay based on hay quality and hay could be sold based on nutritional value, right? And I don't mean, you know, that all hay would have to be a minimum, you know, certain protein, certain calories, any of that. I'm just saying, like, how nice would it be if horse owners understood hay analysis well enough to be able to make informed buying decisions? Um, let, maybe let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So in my own barn, I have some, I have a row of alfalfa that tests 25% protein, I have a row of grass hay that tests 12% protein, and then I have a row of grass hay that tests 6% protein. Now, each of these has a place in my feeding program. The 25% alfalfa, I give that to my lactating mare and her baby as supplemental forage to the grass pasture that they are out on 24-7. The 12% protein grass hay, that goes to the mature performance horses. And then the 6% protein grass hay goes to the pony and the horse that's just lightly ridden, right? Now, of course, 
All of these horses also get either a feed or a vitamin and mineral ration balancer to fill in, you know, those amino acid, calorie, vitamin, mineral gaps that each hay has. Um, and then, you know, there might be points where maybe I use the 6% protein hay for my performance horses, but I mix it with some of the alfalfa. Or maybe I lean on a grain to pull in some more protein and some more amino acids, right? There's just lots of different combinations that you can use to get to the number that you need. So my point is that by understanding what my hay is, I can tailor it to the category of horses that I have. So if I were to, you know, let's say that I just blindly went out and bought hay and I never tested it. If I were to unknowingly feed a 6% grass hay to my lactating mare, I promise she would have ribs showing and her milk production would be super poor and she would have a terrible top line. On the flip side, if I were to blindly go buy hay and I got 12% grass hay, or even if I were to feed the 25% alfalfa to the pony and the horses that don't hardly ever get ridden, right? I'd probably end up with what people would call extremely easy keepers or walking blimps, right? They would just, I've, I run a risk of, of putting my horses in an obese situation. Um, but by understanding my horse's needs first and then pairing up the appropriate hay based on what I know from the hay analysis, I can have both healthy horses and a healthier bank account, right? Because there's not any reason to pay premium prices for high quality alfalfa if the horse's nutritional needs are more in line with a lower cost average quality grass hay. I hope that this makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm guessing that this will probably spur more questions. So I'm going to put a post up on my social media channels for this episode specifically and we can continue the conversation over there if you have more questions. And then just on a final note, if you are just flat confused about what to do with your horse, um, remember you can always reach out for a free nutrition consult with the team at Blue Bonnet Feeds. So I personally conduct continuing education training with these consultants on a weekly basis. And I mean, they can certainly help you interpret your hay analysis or even just give you some general direction in what you need to be looking for in terms of hay to fit the specific needs of your horse. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.